for your presence in this place. We thank you. We sense that you're here. Though we may not see you with our eyes, though we may not be able to touch you with our hands physically, somehow, and we don't know how you do this, Jesus, but somehow, because you love us so much, you can be in a place when we're gathered in your name. So, Lord, I just pray today, as we come now to your word, that the words of my mouth would be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my God and my Redeemer. And I pray, Lord, that above my voice, you would speak. Lord, you would whisper that reassuring word, maybe to lives that are struggling, people that just need a little bit of stability. I pray that your voice would just cut through all of the other voices that we're so often bombarded by and overcome by. Lord, I just pray that your voice would just just go on through and get right to the front of it all and be the central influence in our heart and in our life. Because, Lord, you want to be there for us and help us and guide us. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. We're having a great day today in this place. It's absolutely wonderful. Do you know, I was thinking this morning, I love just how practical the Bible is. The Bible is such a practical book. Many times people criticize the Bible. Many times people have got this impression that the Bible has a very harsh message, but when you begin to move beyond that and you begin to open the pages of the Bible and give it a bit of room, give it a bit of space in your life, what you find is the Bible is a real practical book. It wants to help us. It's God's Word, actually. It is God's Word in print. And it wants to help us. It wants to instruct us. It wants to inform us. Because it wants, God wants us to have a life that is blessed, a life that flourishes, not a problem-free life. We'd have to, you know, we'd have to leave the earth probably to get a problem-free life, but God knows that there's lots of problems, there's lots of circumstances, there's lots of things that just suddenly pop their head up and we're left in confusion, but God has a word for every season of life. God has a word for every event, every crisis, every storm, every dark hour. God has a word. It's His word, the word of God. And it's really practical. It's really practical. I love how practical, how raw, how reality-based the word of God is. It really wants to get in to the real nitty-gritty decisions of our life. It wants to help us work life out to a good end. In fact, God said one day to a group of people, a large group of people, he said, listen, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, but my advice to you, he couldn't hold back. He had to go one step further in his advice. He said, my life, my advice to you is choose life. Choose life. I want you to succeed. I don't want to crush you down under religion. 
I don't want to crush you down under some heavy load that you feel that you've got to live up to. I want to liberate you. I want to set you free. I want to, I've actually want to give you an abundant life. The Bible, it's, it's, it's interesting. These facts about the Bible, they're, they're quite amazing actually. The Bible is still universally the most sold book in the world. After thousands of years, many thousands of years, the Bible has been written over. It's still the most sold book amidst all of the technology that we have, amidst all of the developments in science and the advancement in humankind. The Bible is still the most sold book. I wonder why. I wonder why. It's like a compass, you see. It helps us through life. It's like a compass. It's like this incredible map, this satnav, this satnav of instruction that just guides us and helps us and shines the light where there seems to be no light, no way. It's still the most sold book and it's still the most stolen book. Now we're in church. How many have ever stole a Bible? I have. I stole a couple. I stole a few from my friends. I stole a couple from hotel rooms. When I've been in dire straits, I'm telling you the truth. I got to, I'm a vicar. I got to tell the truth. I mean, you know, I could tell you all the sordid details about my life. I got to be honest. There's a lot of them. Go on then, I'm not. I'd have to run out the back door. But you know what? Even with all the sordid details of our lives, with the broken past and the messed up decisions and, you know, we intended to do right and we just ended up doing wrong. Hey, listen, we've all got a broken story. We've all got a broken life. We've all got a jigsaw of experience where we thought that this piece was going to go into that piece and it didn't quite work out. And instead of a nicely crafted part fitting together, it's just like a torn piece of paper. Listen, every one of us in the room I've got a life where there's edges of our life that's just like a ripped page. And it's still ugly, but we're working on it. And Jesus comes in as helper, restorer, not judge and critic, helper, restorer, guide, healer, teacher, deliverer, to help us with the ripped pages of our lives. My God, I've ripped some pages out myself and thrown them in the bin. We've all got a broken story. We've all got areas of our lives that we're working on. But I love the Bible. Love the Bible. Because it's on side. It's on my side. It's on my side. When life's not on my side, when circumstances are not on my side, there's something that's on my side that is dependable. Something that's on my side that I can rely on, that I can go to in the midnight hour. And I can't tell you how many times I've been at a wall, crying tears, not knowing what to do, burning the, the candle both ends, breaking it in half and burning it in all ends, not knowing where to go, what to do. And I found my hope strength in the Bible. In the Bible, it's incredible. Practical, practical advice for life. Last week, and I think the week before, we were just talking about, you know, some of the practical elements of the Bible, some of its advice in the things that it tells us not to do. 
There's lots of do nots in the Bible. Do not. Now, when I see a do not sign, oh man, something wakens up inside me. And everything within me wants to go through that do not. Every, and I told you the story about the electric fence. Do not touch this fence. My God, I put my hand through that fence and I gripped it. And I got electrocuted. Do not, do not do this. I'm attracted to do it. When I see a do not sign, I'm attracted to do. There's something that comes alive in me. That awakens up inside me to go ahead and go through that do not. But, you know, we looked at those do nots in the Bible. God says, do not fear. Do not fear. I don't want you to be suspicious. I don't want you to be, I don't want your life to break apart because you're fearful. You're suspicious. You're, you're always wondering what's going to happen next. Rather trust me. Rather have faith in me. Be confident about life. It's not going to turn out like you think. Don't fear. Don't get into that stuff. We looked at, you know, the other, the other encouragement that Paul spoke to the Philippian church. He says, don't be anxious. My goodness, how many hours have we wasted being anxious? I've been anxious so many times as, as, a, as, a, as a pastor, as just somebody trying to live life, as a father, as a husband. I've been anxious so many times. I've wasted probably lots of potential in my life just on anxiety. Do you know the word, the root the root meaning of anxiety is to fall to pieces, to be broken apart. God doesn't want us to fall apart, to fall to pieces mentally. He wants you to be strong. Do not be anxious, he says. Very often I've just run through that fence and these do nots are just like perimeter boundaries that God sets in front of us and he says, you come to it, don't you? You come to the fence, you come to the perimeter and you see, do not be anxious, Dave. And you just walk, sorry, God, I'm just going to take this one on myself. I reckon I can do it. And you walk right over and suddenly you're, you're wondering in territory you, should, you were never born to walk on. And you're, you're falling apart. Your life is, and your mind is just, is just going in all kinds of directions that it shouldn't go in. And if we just simply obeyed that simple instruction, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Have a talk with me, he says. It sounds so simple, and it is. It is. Have a talk with me, Dave. The Lord talks in a Welsh accent to me. Just like he does to Pastor Ray. Die! Have a chat with me, boy. Because I'm from Ebervale, so I've got a bit of a, you know, a bit of an excuse for my Welsh accent. And we're living in Pontypool now. The land of blessing. Pontypool. If you want to come to heaven, why live in Newport? <laughs> the land of Philistines, come to Pontypool. It's a heavenly land, full of milk and honey. Right? Where was I? Right? Do you know, like, God just wants to build our lives up. He really does. He just wants the best for us. Like a father and a mother would want the best for their children. God wants the best for us, and he gives us these guidelines. He gives us these practical instruction points for life so that things might go well with us. Jesus said something one day, and this is a huge one. Do not let your heart be troubled. Oh, man. 
How many times have we carried trouble that we should never carry? In our little minds, in our, in our, in our little understandings and we we grapple with problems and oh it's going to work out this way and oh it's going to work out that way well listen God doesn't want us to have that kind of life he just wants us to listen to the guidelines take hold of the do nots and implement them so that things might go well things might go well with us it's amazing how good life can be when Jesus is at the center of it. It really is. Well, how do I get him at the center? Well, when I was 15 years of age, somebody said those words to me. He said, Dave, you, look, there's a lot of stuff in your life that's happening and you, 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 you're battling through this and you're getting battered and beat about by life. Mate, what you need to do is you need to get Jesus at the center. And I thought I had to be religious. I certainly wasn't that. I thought I had to be a good boy. Well, I certainly wasn't that. No. I was growing up in Northern Ireland and there was bombs and bullets and riots all around. And I was in the thick of it. So I couldn't be a good boy. No, Dave, you don't have to be a good boy. You don't have to follow rules and regulations. You just have to have a savior. And his name is Jesus. And you just have to open your heart and just cry a simple prayer. Well, I don't know how to... I don't know how to pray. I, I'm not very good at that. Well, the best prayer is encapsulated in one word, Dave. What word would that be? I'd like to know it. Help! Help! Do you know what? It's the greatest prayer. I've prayed it hundreds of thousands of times since, and it always somehow gets God's attention. I've never heard an angel blowing a trumpet. Never. But somehow, in an unusual way, God works things out. And I could tell you stories, as many, many people could tell you stories over this place, how God has responded to that very, very simple word. Help. Help me. And he will. He will. I want to talk to you about one word this morning for the time that we've got remaining. And we haven't got much time left before we close this service. But just one word that's really, really important. If we're going to build our future, and if our future is going to be strong, if we're going to move confidently from maybe a past that's dark and broken and something that we don't want to be repeated in, in the future. I think this word that we're going to talk about this morning for the time that we've got remaining is really important and we're going to have to use it correctly and we're going to have to use it at certain points and it's going to, it's going to define us. It's going to build our future. The word, it's one word, it's a simple word and the word is this, no. No. That's it. You got it. You got it, see? No. No. Could we all say it? Out of the mouth of babes. Let's say it together. No. That's it. Oh. We started summer now. <laughs> That's it. No. No, 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 no. That's right. 
I'm telling you now, we got the best preachers in the pews. No, is an important word that we're going to have to get used to saying if we're going to build our futures. If our futures are going to take on the dimensions that God has for our lives, we're going to have to be able to say no confidently. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, just like arrogantly you know, walking into the room and walking into our relationships and where we find ourselves in life and just saying, no, 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 no. Like some angry, ugly, you know, character that just rails at people and riles people up with a no. No, I'm talking about using that word wisely. Wisely. And in given moments, our life and our future will be dependent on the correct use of this one word. Why do we find it hard to say no? Maybe if you look back on your life, when you look back on some of the relationships that you've had and some of the friendships that you've, that you've made, some of the decisions that, that you've, you've come to needed a no, but you said yes. Very often we, we, we say yes to things that really we should be saying no to. And we wonder then why we get into the trouble and the dilemmas and the crises and circumstances that we get into. And it was because we, we, we just didn't appropriate this word correctly. We should have said no. And we said Yes, all of us in the room have said yes to things that we should have said no to. Would that be fair to say? If you haven't, I certainly have. I certainly have. Sometimes I've said yes to things that I've said that I should have said no to, and I've said no to things that really I should have said yes to. But there's, but there's been times in my life where I've made choices as a result of saying yes to things that I should have said no to, and those choices have left me with huge circumstances. Do you know, we, we, we need to be careful about certain choices that we make. You know, every choice seems to have a price tag on it. Oh, and the price can really reward you. When you make a good quality choice, it can bring about... So many great, wonderful circumstances and consequences to your life because of just one choice, one yes in the right place, one no correctly directed can really, really cause your life to flourish in so, so many ways. But if we get it wrong and if we get it mixed up, the consequences and the price tag can be really hard. It can be really hard. For instance, let me give you an example. And this is going to encourage you because we're not on our own. Like I said, the Bible is an incredible book. And it gives us a window into people's lives, into their experiences. And not just, you know, all of the great facts about their lives. God is really, really honest about the people that he used and about the people that he loved. One day, there was a guy called Moses. We've all heard about Moses in the Bible. And uh, one day, he was walking past 
an Egyptian that was being really abusive to one of his brethren, one of the Israelites. And he didn't say no to the impulsive anger, the impulsive feelings that he had in his heart. And as a result of not appropriating no in the correct moment, he ended up killing that man. The price tag of that decision, he buried the man. He thought that he could bury the mistake. He, could, he thought he could bury the murder of that man and everybody would forget about it. Do you know what? Nobody forgot about it. Everybody woke up in Egypt and the price tag of that momentary decision where he failed to appropriate no in the right place, the price tag of it all was 40 years in the backside of the wilderness running and hiding for his life. No is really important. Being able to say no to yourself, no to your desires, no to the impulses that rise up in your heart and say, listen, you've got to go that way. You've got to do that. Just do it. That's the philosophy of Nike. And in the context of sport, no problem. But if you take that on as a philosophy for life, my goodness, where are we going to land up? You can't just do it. You've got to be able to appropriate no and yes in the right moments of life to be able to make quality decisions in order for your life because your life is precious to encompass all of the things that God has for it, for it. No, I remember. Oh, God has saved a sinner up here. A big black sinner. Like me. I remember seeing the sign. No trespassing. Oh. That sign made me alive. It made me excited. No trespassing. I'm going straight over that fence with my brother John who's at the back. No wonder he's at the back. He's a sinner like me. I'm going straight over that fence. Come on, John. Actually, he said, come on, Dave. <laughs> All right, bro, I'll follow. Come on, Dave. We're going into that abandoned hospital. We're going to make, we're going to have the time of our lives with this fence. This sign is not going to stop us. We're going for it, man. No trespassing. Give me a break. Straight over the fence into an abandoned hospital. I mean, it was like Aladdin's cave. Playing on the trolleys in the operating theatre. A&E. Whoa, we're having the time of our lives. Until the police turned up. Woo! And then we're on the run from the police. Jumped over the fence, straight into the graveyard, hiding behind the stones. No trespassing. You see, it's a simple story, a simple illustration. But... It reveals something about human nature. Human nature. When, when we're prohibited to do something, a desire awakens within us to go against the prohibition. Don't do this, my goodness. Johnny, don't you sit down in that chair. So Johnny has to sit down in the chair, but inside Johnny says, do you know what? You may have forced me to sit down in this chair, but but inside I'm standing up. 
There's a rebellion in, 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 inside of our hearts that wants to break through the rules, that wants to, that wants to ignore the, the do-nots, that, that wants to go with the yes instead of the no. No is an awkward word. It's a difficult word. It, it brings a full stop. It, it pulls up the handbrake. It, it, it brings an emergency stop about. Nobody likes saying no because it's, it's an awkward kind of word. And very often, our whole lives are defined and our whole lives hang in the balance on the correct use of those two words. No. No trespassing. This was another one. No fishing. He's laughing at that one. No fishing. Any porches in the house? Don't say anything, aunt. Any porches in the house? Has anybody been poaching before? Oh, this, it's exhilarating. It's exciting. Because you know when they put that sign up, no fishing? Do you know what they're telling the fisherman? All the best fish are here. <laughs> and what they're saying to the poacher is, hey, listen, our secret's out. You're going to get the best salmon there. You're going to get the best trout there. So in, in me and my bro went, and we, I tell you what, we didn't just go we didn't just poach in the day, man. It was night fishing. Oh, night fishing. Night. It's, and it's even better, isn't it? You can't, they, they're bigger at night, aren't they, Ant? Uh, I mean, and there's more excitement. No fishing. See, I told you God saved a sinner. Right? Oh, yeah. Right? No fishing. Up we went with our fishing rods, middle of the night, lamps, lamping. Oh, for the rabbits and the lurchers. Oh, we've done it all, and haven't we? We've done it all, mate. Right? So anyway, fishing, catching the best fish, huge, poaching. I remember running away with a rainbow trout under my arm. And this bloke, oh, come back, come back here, running as fast as we could with a rainbow trout. And I don't know, I have never, ever, Forgot the taste of that rainbow trout when my mother cooked it. When my mother, she was an accessory to the crime. And she didn't even know it. Cooking stolen property. Right? I tell you, we've had trout from Tesco. Don't, it'll never cut it, friends. Ever. It'll never cut it. They were golden moments in my memory. And I tell you what, I needed forgiveness for it. But my goodness... I tell you, my mind goes back there many times and savors the moment. They were lovely moments. No fishing. There's, there's another one. Now, we've got to get really honest in the room to say this next one. I don't know if there's any policemen in the room. But um, I'll be honest. Here we go. No entry. No entry. I can remember when I first passed my test. No entry. Well, I know, I know he said you can't go down there, but if I go around this way, it's going to take me 10, 15 minutes longer. There's nobody coming. I look around. Put the foot down. Whomp. Merthyr Tidville, here we come. Whomp. 
All of a sudden, blue light, you get stopped, you get pulled over. Sir! Now, I was a Christian then, mind. Hey, Christians aren't so squeaky clean, mind, are they? Come on now, you little tinkers. I was a Christian praising the Lord on a Sunday, and then down the no entry on a Monday. No entry. So anyway, blue light. Sir, did you realize that you have just driven down a no entry street, a one-way street? Didn't you see the no entry sign? Well, officer, I'm not, mm, I, I'm not really sure. Was, was it that? Which sign is the no entry again? I've only passed my test a couple of months. Oh, no, no. And the consequences are hard. The consequences are difficult. Why? Because you've just bulldozed through a no entry. You've bulldozed through a fence that you shouldn't have gone through. You've made a choice that you that you shouldn't have made, and now the consequences are not so pleasant. The consequences are not so good because of the decisions that you've made. We've all said yes to things that we should have said no to. We've said no to things that we should have said yes to. And the message of the Bible is simple. God wants to help us, advise us, instruct us in the way that we should go so that we might have good success. Let me give you, let me give you a scripture. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. Today, this is just a little introduction into some of the ways in which we're going to go ahead and go in over the next few weeks. We've got Stephen Matthews next week. We're going to have a great, he's an amazing teacher from Bradford, a really, really great Bible teacher. If you can make it for that, it would be brilliant to see you. But today, I've just set a scene in some ways in which we're going to head towards after Stephen's come and spoken to us. No is a really important word. That's what I've wanted to establish this morning. No is a really important word. It's an awkward word. It's a difficult word. And sometimes in our relationships, we use a thousand other words instead of the one word no, because we know if we say no, it could bring disappointment. It could spoil somebody's expectation. But you know, there are crucial moments. There really are when a no is important. Let me give you a scripture from Titus chapter 2. Two verses. Verse 11 and 12. And we're going to explore this a bit in the coming weeks. It says this from the NIV version. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us. Hey, the grace of God actually teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. The grace of God is not some passive thing. It's actually active. It's actually present in your life. It is actually the life of Jesus inside you. 
and it navigates you and it gives input into the everyday decisions that you and I need to make and it actually teaches you to say no. Now I've spoke to you in weeks gone by about the teacher, about this teacher. The teacher of God's grace is not some harsh voice, some controlling, demanding element in our lives that says, you've got to go this way, you've got to do that. No, the character and the nature of God's grace as teacher is patient, patient. Hey Dave, you got it wrong again. I told you to say no, Dave. You turned around and said yes when you should have said no. Okay, Dave, listen. It's going to come up again in the future sometime. It may be six months, 12 months down the road. And next time, I'm going to be there again. And next time, Dave, what we're going to do, we're going to take you through maybe a series of events and seasons that's going to get you to the point where you can say no to that issue, no to that situation, no to that circumstance, no to that ungodly passion, that worldly lust. Dave, I'm going to help you to say no confidently and strong so that your future can take on all of the dimensions that I have for it. That's the grace. That's the instructor, the helper, the teacher, the Holy Spirit. He's patient. He doesn't smack us across the head. When we come to a situation and we, we just go headlong in and make the wrong decision, I told you you shouldn't have done it. You sh he doesn't come as a critic. He comes as a teacher and as an, instru sorry, as an instructor to help us. Amen? Amen. Lord Jesus, I pray just as I've given a simple introduction today into this, into this verse that Paul spoke to Titus about your grace helping us to make the right decisions, helping us to go down life's road, making the right choices. Lord, I pray as I have introduced this today, I pray that in this next oncoming week and actually through this year and on beyond it, I pray that you'd help everybody under the sound of my voice to hear your voice as teacher, as instructor, to be able to say no to things that are going to take their life on some kind of weird journey, spiraling down. But Lord, I pray that you'd be able to show us the way in which we would go and instruct us with your voice. Influence us as teacher. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.